0: What a gorgeous day in paradise today, and we'll talk about your paradise tonight on the so the Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you and only you. I'm a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TEDx Speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions and help you discover new and exciting things about sex love your body health relationships whatever it is i make no innuendos no judgments and certainly no apologies just fearless straight up talk about sex Love, your body, health, your relationship. Let's hope for you. It will be illuminating. Education will get you thinking outside of the box and have a little fun in the meantime. So please stay with me. Of course, there is an aspect of sexual health that is dark and dreadful, and that is sexual abuse, any unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia and rape. And of course, for those of you who have been sexually abused... You are never far from my heart, and I wish you all of the best on your healing journey. I keep you in my prayers and wish you a good life, because it can be tragic uh, after that happens. Please put the kitties to bed. Listener discretion is advised. We're going to be talking about the taboo subjects here tonight on the program, so uh, I'll give you a little bit of time. It's getting darker earlier, so that's good, and it's going to get even darker this week with the time change. Um, So we've got Tim on the boards. Thanks so much for being here tonight Tim.
1: Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, So we've got lots on the program tonight and speaking about uh, just carrying on with this whole hashtag me too and and the abuse that occurs um, to women unwanted sexual advances and abuse and and manipulation that occurs and I, I had I was flying this week. I wasn't flying the plane myself, but anyway, <laughs> I was traveling around and I met a an educated, highly educated physician on the plane from Florida, died in the World Republican. Anyway, she had actually she was talking about the Harvey Weinstein situation. She and I were having a conversation about that. And uh, so we talked about, of course, we got into American politics as I am American. We have a couple of indictments coming out in the morning that I'm looking forward to, but nonetheless. um, So she had said, uh, when we talked about uh, President Trump and I asked her what her thoughts were on the uh, bus instance where he said that he could, just because of who he was, he could actually just grab any woman's you know what and he could just plant one on a woman, and and lo and behold, this highly educated woman uh, had never heard about that Billy Bush bus incident. I mean, seriously, are people living under a rock these days? So, but often they've said that, um, you know, there's a little bit of an excuse, uh, you know, giving, we give, um, you know, we allow certain graces to some people and not to others. But nonetheless, this sexism, this misogynism, this treatment of women, this instilling fear in women and sexually inappropriately touching women especially in the workplace or anywhere um, but it's very common it happens. we need to keep that conversation going, and we need to start and uh, change that so hopefully, in the upcoming weeks on the program i'll we 'll work together you and i to uh, to help change that So do email me any of your suggestions at uh, sextalk at cknw dot com or you can call me with uh, any ideas that you might have six zero four two eight oh nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell we 've got lots coming up on the program tonight. I do have, uh, in my travels, I did find a way that potentially could help to solve the housing crisis here in Vancouver. <laughs> it's an interesting way. So I'll talk about a little bit about that later. I've also got the 411 on some stand-up guys, thanks to yours truly, of course. Uh, so I'm going to be uh, reviewing uh, a new lifestyle for many men who are having some issues. You know the kind of issues I'm talking about. Also going to be talking about how to look nine years younger with a particular type of exercise. So I didn't just kayak this afternoon for 180 minutes (laughs) for nothing, okay? Uh, So that's just a little bit of a hint. I'm going to be be reviewing that. Also, how do you text with your lover, your partner, your husband or wife? They should all be the same person, by the way. Just a little hint there. Uh, how you do text or sext, um, I trust you put the children to bed, how you do that says a lot about your relationship, and I'm going to be reviewing that tonight on the program as well. And uh, just in case you haven't put the children to bed, we're going to review the five different kinds of Oreo cookies, Okay. <laughs> My favorite kind of cookie. So how you can have more of those as well. And uh, so this is education you are going to want to hear. We are also going to be talking a little bit about online dating and the dangers of that. And that's just a continuous subject as well, because some people don't seem to understand that they have to be incredibly careful when you are meeting people online. Keep in mind, they are strangers. I had an email from a 32-year-old man in a relationship for two years who has been experiencing erectile dysfunction since he was in his 20s. So I'm going to be talking about uh, young men and ED. And I know you were wondering about penile surgery. It is down Um, anyway, which is a good thing. Not really. Well, I suppose it'd be better if things were up, but anyway, I'm going to be reviewing a little bit of that, some interesting facts about that, and also uh, friends with benefits what is the best way to have a friends with benefits relationship? Is it remaining uh, or preventing yourself or not getting emotionally attached to that person? Not necessarily. And um, as this is a sex show and there there is one particular type of sex that is dangerous. I'm going to review that. But I'm very pleased to have in the studio with me Dr. Neve Talon. She is a fertility specialist. She is from Olive Fertility. And I heard somebody say because, you know, a lot of uh, people, women, work on their careers maybe in their 20s and, and may not meet that right person, may not settle down by 30s, 30, 35, and may or may delay fertility. And I heard somebody say one of the best gifts a mother could give her 30 or even 35-year-old unmarried or not-in-a-relationship daughter is egg freezing. So we're going to be talking about that with Dr. Neve Talon when I come back. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're going to be talking about Fertility and infertility. One in six Canadian couples trying to conceive are diagnosed with infertility. Olive Fertility is leading IVF and fertility center in Canada and one Georgia Strait's best fertility clinic in 2016 and I'm honored to have in the studio with me Dr. Neve Talon. Welcome to the studio Dr. Talon.
2: Thank you Maureen. Thanks for having me back again.
0: Oh my pleasure. It's great information. This can be a very heartbreaking situation for women and men and couples and uh, facing fertility uh, issues and problems and there's so much can be so much fear surrounding it And and as I said to you earlier I overheard somebody say the best gift a mother can give her, she said, 30-year-old unmarried daughter is egg freezing. So,
2: <laughs> No doubt. Um, I think there's a lot of fear and anxiety amongst potential future grandparents too when they see there are daughters or their children having difficulties with trying to get pregnant. So um, we hear again and again from couples, often the ongoing questioning from family and friends is a big part of the heartache and that it brings to the forefront constantly their battle Um, And, you know, a lot of the patients we see, like you mentioned, too, it's often related to delaying attempts at pregnancy to a later stage in life for a woman where you automatically have a lower chance of success because of your, your age and your eggs being of poorer quality. And, and what age is that for women? So, is it 30 or
0: is it 35? Well,
2: di- fertility declines from a woman's later 20s, but more dramatically over the age of 38, where we see um, quality of an individual embryo really being significantly less than from an egg that was created in a woman, a woman under the age of 38. So when we talk about egg freezing um, and trying to extend the likelihood of your reproductive lifespan, when you already know that you are not going to embark upon attempts of at pregnancy until you are older and in that kind of risky time where you may have difficulties, um, you know, the idea that you would freeze eggs that are of better quality gives you the, the greater likelihood of success in the future. That's right. And And how long should a a woman or a
0: couple wait, or how long should they try before they should then seek fertility advice or uh, get a consult at all our fertility?
2: That's a great question in that it depends on the age of the woman. So the younger you are, the greater period of time you have for trying at home without any, you know, potential risk. If we don't see you for about a year, it's okay to keep trying. The likelihood of success in a given month, Maureen, for uh, if everything is perfect, tubes are open, sperm is moving well, they've timed things perfectly and they get together, the best chance of pregnancy is 25 to 30% in a given month. So it shows you you need multiple exposures and multiple attempts at getting pregnant. That's right. Um, but at 40, it's five to 7% per month. It's significantly diminished and thereby we don't really want women or couples to try for extended periods of time because really they're just wasting time. So we say usually about three or four months over the age of 40 before coming to see us.
0: Okay. And then so at the age of 30, perhaps try for a year. Exactly. If, and 35 would we six months. Six months. Yeah. Okay.
2: And, and I often will say to family doctors too, you know, no harm in referring if they're pregnant, they don't need us. Well, great that's fine but you know the waiting indefinitely is not a great idea like you know the advice to keep trying and go home I I say be more proactive than that you know give yourselves a few months and then look for help and
0: so egg freezing is um, you know it's innovative it's uh, probably a bit of the wave of the future
2: Yeah, it's going to, it's revolutionized everything that we do, the way in which we freeze eggs, we freeze sperm, we freeze embryos the same way. It's just a very successful technology that gives us great survival rates and healthy tissue on the other side of, you know, thawing it. Um, So it's, it's viable. That's the most important thing. But again, age is not overcome by egg freezing, so we want to freeze good quality eggs, okay, and there, therein lies we want to see women under the age of 38 freezing their eggs. Um, we do freeze eggs in the situation of, for example, a woman embarking upon cancer treatment whereby that would completely eliminate you know eggs uh, within the ovaries well, then their best chances of ever having a future pregnancy comes with freezing whatever quality eggs they have today.
0: Of course. And and I think that's a conversation. It's my understanding, having spoken at uh, the BC cancer agencies around the province, that th- sex and fertility are two subjects that remain taboo within those health centers. And nobody really brings up that That idea or that thought or there's an embarrassment around it, but it's such an important aspect of cancer treatment, especially in a young woman uh, who may be facing chemo and radiation over a year who may be or may not be in a relationship, but may want to have
2: children. Yes. um, I mean, men or women who are embarking upon um, cancer treatment, so we'll often ask men to freeze sperm ahead of time as well if they're about to embark upon chemotherapy. Um, Just going back to what you previously mentioned, you know, it is a difficult topic to broach um, when someone's longevity or potential survival is being considered. Um, It can sometimes be minimized the value that you could place on this idea of extending hope for the future and having children and your own genetic offspring in the future. There is a lot of evidence that shows women who have gone through with egg freezing or embryo freezing with a partner, if they have a partner at the Mm -hmm. time, and setting that aside, it brings them such immense hope and um, alleviates a lot of anxieties and and the quality of life that they have after chemotherapy. Even if they have not yet used that reproductive material, they find is, you know, you can't put a... A value on that, you know, it, it it changes the quality of life for that individual. And that that's what we're here for is really to try and aim to do that. And the same stands for the women I hear and meet every single day who are usually looking at egg freezing because they're single. And, you know, they're trying to hold on to this idea of, having children or a family with a partner in the future. These are the women who are egg freezing because the women who are willing to get pregnant today on their own will just go do that using donor sperm. Of course. Um, So we hear the same relief and alleviation of anxiety on the other side of actually being successful and setting eggs aside for future use.
0: I, I imagine you would. I, would. I imagine, especially for the cancer patients um, and, and for all women, that it would alleviate some stress if they thought they could never have children right. versus there's hope that they one day will have a, a very healthy baby. So what is the – there's clinics in North Vancouver, Vancouver, and Surrey. That's correct. And and what is the best way for um, somebody to uh, – come and see you?
2: So we ask the patients to get a referral from a family physician, but they also can self-refer and they can do that at Mm -hmm. olivefertility.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and they can get us easily and follow us in all of those regards. Um, But the easiest way is to get a referral from the family doctor.
0: And how long will it take for a woman to get into or a couple to get into your practice to get in to see you?
2: We will speak to them within a week or two of receiving the referral and we set up all of the things that we need in place to see them. So the full evaluation gets done before we actually meet them in person and that can take a month or two.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. So yeah. So people ought to get on this and not, not really wait because then once people have made a decision to move forward, then there's going to be a little bit of a waiting time. So maybe...
2: But an active, active waiting, waiting time, time and yeah. that they are doing blood work that is very cycle dependent and right. that we need to interpret to at least have a uh, informed discussion about what we should do for them.
0: Excellent. Well, it's great work that you do and uh, bringing babies into the world. There's nothing better.
2: There is nothing better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, so thank you so much. And uh, And again, the website is
2: olivefertility.com
0: That's great. So if you are struggling with fertility issues, this is a great resource um, for you as well. And to just have your questions answered and alleviate your fears, I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.
1: Global News at 8.30. Good evening, I'm John Hall. The federal finance minister says donating money he made from shares in the family business is not an admission he was in a conflict by controlling those shares since he was elected. Bill Morneau was a guest on the Sunday news program The West Block on Global NCTV's Question Period. He says he wants Canadians to know he's not in politics for his own benefit. The ethics commissioner is said to be looking into concerns Morneau's sponsorship of a pension law may have run afoul of the Conflict of Interest Act. The first leader of Alberta's fledgling United Conservative Party is hitting the ground running. Less than 24 hours after winning the leadership on the first ballot, Jason Kenney already has a Calgary riding in which he'll seek a legislature seat. Kenney hopes the by-election will be called soon to fill the seat that is becoming vacant by a Tory who's stepping down to clear the way for him. Kenney isn't worried, about a, or isn't worried a lack of a party platform will hurt the UCP in the by-election or with Albertans. He's already said he plans to kill the provincial carbon tax, reduce spending and restart the provincial economy. Police in Winnipeg have issued a Halloween safety advisory after a search warrant turned up opioid blotters with a picture of a witch riding a broom. There is concern because the six blotters, which are small chunks of paper with suspected doses of either fentanyl or carfentanil, have the Halloween theme and could possibly pose a danger to children. Carfentanil is so potent an amount weighing less than a grain of salt can kill a person. Authorities have issued a warning saying it's possible more blotters are out there. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders says Canada's health care system is an innovative and strong example a state stateside could learn from. The former presidential hopeful was the guest speaker at a sold-out event at the University of Toronto earlier today. He rates Canada's system as superior to the U.S. because it's not controlled by the rich and powerful. Sanders also slammed the elite in the United States who he called powerful special interests who are not content with the wealth they have but want more and more. CKNW News Times 832. Now the latest AM730 traffic. Here's Robin.
2: Good evening. We'll start in Delta where there's a collision on Ladner Trunk Road. It's westbound at Highway 17. Westbound traffic remains blocked. There's a collision in Aldergrove on 264th at 16th Avenue. 16th Avenue heading west is blocked. And southbound on 264th is single lane traffic. If you're heading back up into Canada right now, keep in mind there's a well over an hour-long wait time at Peace Arch, about 45 minutes at Pack Highway. Your best bet is Aldergrove. It's about a half an hour. Sumas at a 45-minute long wait time. In the AM730 Traffic Center, I'm Robin Crawford.
1: Now the Global Sky Tracker weather, clear tonight, lows down to 6 degrees. Sunny tomorrow morning with a high of 12, a uh, clear again in the evening with a low of 6. Tuesday, more sun with a high of 12 degrees. Some periods of rain moving in for Wednesday morning, highs up to 9. In Burnaby right now, it's 10 degrees and partly cloudy. And outside CKNW at Pacific Center in downtown Vancouver, it's currently 13 degrees. CKNW time is 8.33. I'm John Hall.
0: Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. CKNW, Maureen McGrath, hosting this program for you today. Was it not a gorgeous day today? It was so amazing. And yesterday, too. And yesterday, I actually went swimming in the ocean with no wetsuit. And I I did that two weeks ago because I've actually been traveling a little bit. And uh, I I think I did it a couple weeks ago. M- might have been less than that. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I was fine. I swam my full swim. Everybody I was swimming with had a wetsuit on and I was absolutely fine. And so yesterday I thought I could do the same thing. Wrong. And it was absolutely freezing. Uh, so I definitely need a wetsuit henceforth because we are going to be swimming through the winter. This will be a first that uh, I've always swum in the summer with this group. But now we're carrying on and being true polar bears. Somebody asked us if we were, if I. Somebody asked me if I was training for the polar bear swim on New Year's Day. Like, no, been there, done that. Any, anyhow, wetsuit time. Um, but it's important to exercise, and now we have some research to support that. And in fact, the research has. Demonstrated that exercise, this particular type of exercise, makes your body act like it's nine years younger. So today I went kayaking for about two hours, and for about ninety minutes I actually paddled the entire time, which was great. And uh, and and you know now I muscles I never knew I had have revealed themselves to me. <laughs> and uh, but it, but it was worth it you feel great afterward you're doing something for yourself effectively but researchers from Brigham Young University say they have found that a certain type of physical exercise can slow the aging process within our cells so at the cellular level and that ultimately means better health and physical conditioning which matches the natural age progression of a significantly younger person. So in other words, if you do this, you might actually be like somebody who's nine years younger than you. So it's not exactly the fountain of youth, but it is definitely a step in the right direction. So we're all looking to look younger, to be younger, to feel younger, to which, you know, uh, means you're more productive. I want to tell you about my my, my latest stand-up guy uh, in the next segment, but uh, this has to do with a little bit of exercise and, and a little bit of a lifestyle change. Things weren't standing up for him, but thanks to yours truly, they are now. Um, but anyway, I digress. So uh, we'll talk about this study along with exactly how much exercise you need to do every day to achieve these results. So the researchers at Brigham Young University uh, studied 5,823 adults who had participated in a Center for Disease Control and Prevention research project called the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Among a number of things, this study kept track of the participants' daily physical exercise. So it tracked the degree to which these people engaged in 62 different types of exercise over a 30-day period. Quite frankly, I didn't know there were 62 different types of exercise. I just thought there was swimming and tennis and, and hiking and house cleaning, cross-training. Um, the, the, the CDC study also measured something called telomere length values. Telomeres are the nucleotide end caps of our chromosomes. They are like our biological clock and they're extremely correlated with age. So each time a cell replicates, we lose a little tiny bit, a minuscule amount of the end caps. Therefore, the older we get, the shorter our telomeres. Did you know that? I bet you didn't. And I bet you are amazed, especially if you're aging. Now you realize not only you're aging, but your telomeres are short. So, by pouring through that data in the CDC study, and you can imagine just how much data that was with close to 6,000 participants and 62 different types of exercise, they, the researchers claim that they're able to correlate people's relative telomere length with their various levels of physical activity, and they were quite surprised by what they found. If you thought that people's levels of e- physical exercise is being, if you think of, of their levels of exercise as being in four different categories. So the sedentary, low, I think that sedentary means like sitting on the couch with a beer and a bag of chips. I'm not really sure, but anyway, sedentary, low, moderate, and high. The researcher found that people in the first three categories had roughly similar telomere lengths. So what was interesting is that that's why you have to have that high intensity. So the last category, the people who engage in high levels of physical activity had 140 base pairs of DNA more at the end of their telomeres than everybody else. So the the uh, researchers, uh, it was it was Dr. Tucker, and according to this paper that he published recently in Preventive Medicine, that resulted in a biological aging advantage of nine years. So in other words, if you engage in high levels of physical activity, I don't really care where you do this physical activity. <laughs> Maybe the bedroom anyway i 'm kidding. <laughs> you can do it there if you want. really hot, heavy session um, but these high levels of activity are beneficial for you because your cells are more likely to resemble the cells of a considerably younger person. so the researchers at Brigham and Young University had to draw a line somewhere so for the purposes of their study, they defined those high levels of physical activity and that meant engaging 30 minutes of jogging for women or 40 minutes of jogging for men and to do it five days a week. So that's just one guide that they had. Um, And of course that it does require commitment, but really not that much Uh, when you think about it to just to go out and have a quick jog for 30 minutes, you know, there's a lot of other things that you're doing that are probably wasting time, maybe being on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, social media, Instagram. I I was uh, sitting, uh, having lunch outside today, and I I noticed somebody came up and and she sat next to us uh, on a chair looking over the ocean. And the second she sat down, she just started taking photographs of herself over and over again. And I mean, really, just sitting there doing nothing. I was at least eating. (laughs) Um, But there's so much of that. There's so much time wasted. And when you can actually be doing something to become healthier... So this is, course, of course, not the first study to link increased exercise with better health and, and longer life. There's been research studies out of the Mayo Clinic, and they reached a similar similar conclusion for different reasons. And the finding that people who engaged in regular high-intensity intensity interval training had cells that were more efficient at creating new proteins, which also uh, is related to reversing the signs of aging at the cellular level. So... Bottom line is and I always like to get to the bottom line uh, the bottom line is just because you're aging you know and, and you you meet these people in life and you know people will say oh i'm I'm so old or they may act so old or or they'll think i can 't do that or i'm forty, I have to cut my hair short or you know i can't do that because you know that's for younger people whatever um, the bottom line is just because you're forty doesn't mean you are biologically 40 years old, you don't have to be. So many people seem younger than their actual age. I had a woman in my clinical practice and I said, how old are you again? And she said, and I was thinking she was seventies and late seventies perhaps. And she said, I'm 93. And, and I thought her spirit was so young and so youthful. I said, 93, you're amazing. Uh, and, you know, she does exercise every day. She independently lives. And uh, so the more physically active you are, the less biological aging takes place in your body. And that is the important message that I want to convey to you tonight to have a better life in and outside of the bedroom. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. CKNW, Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. It's always my pleasure to be here with you. If you have any questions at all, feel free to give me a call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I do want to tell you about a little event that I'm having this week, November 1st, Wednesday, November 1st at port moody's inlet theater it's called hot flash in the city it's all about menopause it's a it's a cocktail hour and we're we're going to be having all sorts of women's things like the womanizer will make her appearance there and uh, as well as femme which is a new personal moisturizer for women that is available, and they actually have a personal moisturizer and and, uh, a number of different products. They're available at London Drugs, which is so great. I love products that actually have an availability on the shelf uh, at stores, and so I'm very happy. It's a great, great product. A lot of women in my clinical practice have been using it, and they're very happy with it. So FEMME will be there, P-H-E-M-M-E. As well, we have uh, Rodan and Fields. Makeup is going to be there as well, so if you want to come and get some makeup tips, by all means, uh, you can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca, for tickets. Um, also, I'm going to give out a couple of free tickets on the program tonight, so give me a call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Um, uh well, who else is going to be there? Cheryl's Rack Fashions is going to be there. So they're fabulous fashions because they're affordable and they're stylish and, and they're fun. So she's going to be there also. And there's also going to be a company that sells earthquake kits in case things explode in the bedroom, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, no, she's actually um, uh, going to be showing you these earthquake kits. And you know with what's going on around the world? Uh, you should have your earthquake kit. Um or, or if you have an explosive relationship, that's another reason to have one too. Who else have we got there? Um, I will... Oh, yes. Uresta is going to be there, which is a new solution for stress, urinary incontinence. You can also buy that. Uh, you can buy that online at uh, uresta.com. So all of these products, these great products that I advise in my clinical practice, that, that a lot of women benefit from... Um, uh, will be there. So you'll want to come out. It's a cocktail party. It's networking. We're going to have so much fun and uh, that, cause that is the name of the game. And then we're going to have a and a as well afterward. And um, so you can ask your questions, all of your burning questions about relationships um, or whatever estrogen. There's lots of controversy around estrogen. So I'm going to be giving you the four one one on that and clarifying all of that uh, for you and lots of questions about menopause, you know, perimenopause is is actually the years leading up to menopause, and um, and so that can start at age thirty seven for women. Uh, so and it goes to like fifty one to fifty three. That's really when you know. So you, menopause is really the year after it's that moment after a year of no period. So just to clarify um, what that's all about, we're going to be talking all about that and low sexual desire and vaginal health and. And everything and um, and orgasms. I can say that now that we're into this far into the program, uh, and and just how to have the best orgasms. I will be reviewing that a little bit tonight. But you'll finally get to meet the womanizer, a good one, one that causes pleasure not pain. Um, so I just got this message on uh, Facebook, and uh, so this fellow, right, Bob. I'm going to call him Bob. Hi, Maureen, I love listening to your TEDx talk. I am now celibate and happily divorced. We we were sexless, and I was tired of working 14 to 24 hours a day at work and having to come home to do her chores and no attention. <laughs> so I wrote, thank you, celibate, question mark, exclamation point, dollar sign. Tune into the Sunday Night Sex Show. Anyway, he's written, um, okay, when, please, and how. Well, I'll have to uh, uh, tell him to... Uh, uh, go to you can go to com and hit listen live and I hope he goes there right now because he can listen to this segment that's coming up because it's an important segment because I was I when I wrote back and said um, celibate you know after a sexless marriage celibacy isn't necessarily your only option or necessarily a the best option so this is another option That you might try after a sexless marriage. Uh, I remember a physician friend of mine said that his son had come home from university and he was, you know, had a friend with benefits, and he was like, "They didn't have friends with benefits when I was his age." Uh, So this is what I'm talking about. It's friends with benefits, and the secrets. The secret to having a successful friends with benefits relationship. There's a new study on casual sexual relationships, which examines the factors that can make for a positive or negative experience. And most people think that the way to a positive friends with benefits experience is to not to get emotionally connected. Well, that is not the easiest thing to do. Number one, and that doesn't necessarily happen. So If you want to have regular, no-strings-attached sex with a friend, uh, it's to not get attached. But, you know, that's one way, and that's difficult. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. And there was a study published in the August edition of Archives of Sexual Behavior. And so, of course, you know, friends with benefits, it may sound great. It sounded fantastic to my physician friend, uh, who (laughs) son was having a friends with benefit relationship. But there are, of course, ups and downs to anything in life. And that can be the same for hooking up with a friend. And so having sex and lack of commitment on the positive side and feeling deceived, lack of clear expectations, and poor communication quality on the negative side. So there's lots of things that... Uh, may happen in this friends-with-benefits relationship outside of the benefit. So in order to better understand how the facets of commitment intersect in casual sexual relationships between friends, the researchers tapped 171 people. 118 of them were women who'd had such a fling within the past year and enrolled them in their research study. And they focused on two dimensions of the functionality of these relationships – One was whether people thought their friends with benefits or FWB situation was healthy and functioning well which was referred to in the study as relationship adjustment and sexual satisfaction. So the participants were asked questions about how much they trusted their FWB partner and how happy they were with their sex life. They also rated how much they agreed with statements that measured how committed the subject was to his or her FWB partner, specifically in terms of couple identity, sacrifice, and availability of alternative partners. So some of the statements that they... That were included were, I tend to think about how things affect us as a couple more than how things affect me as an individual. Or another statement was, it makes me feel good to sacrifice for my FWB partner, and I would have trouble finding a suitable FWB partner if this one ended. Ultimately, the researchers found that in addition to sexual satisfaction, young adults who acted as if they were a couple. Sacrificed personal interest for the betterment of the relationship and spent less time looking for alternative partners reported being happy with their FWB situation. When they controlled for other variables, however, the study's author found that the only significant predictor of contentment in an FWB relationship was being okay with doing something for someone else. How about that, huh? that is always the key to happiness it demonstrated a higher level of investment which is what the head of the uh, research study said um, in with this um, this particular study so when people do that type of activity so they sacrifice for the other person they're fwb relationship tends to be better and when you do that in a relationship that is not an fwb somewhere where you're committed or a marriage isn't your relationship better as well they found that in this study those that did this that sacrificed for their partner tended to have less strife and less conflict than other fwb relationships and a lot of it is that sacrifice that most friends actually do for one another is as true as it is in fwb So this is an important aspect. The study also acknowledged the potential conflict that could arise in an FWB relationship if both people aren't on the same page. So in other words, if one is constantly doing for the other person, then there can be some discrepancy there. The results suggest that it is important for young adults or anybody to be who is in an FWB relationship to be aware of commitment as they enter these FWB relationships. The work highlighted the fact that satisfaction with sacrifice seems to play a vital role in the FWB relationship adjustment, suggesting young adults or anyone involved should be aware of the investments they have in these relationships. So according to... Past research done by similar, the same authors, 25 to 40 percent of young adults who have FWB hope the relationship grows into something more. Watch out, you could be breaking hearts out there. And approximately 20 percent actually do. And generally speaking, most people remain friends after they stop Hooking up. I thought this was a really interesting study and and uh, something to think about because it's it's you know, it's a different way uh, to have a relationship. They uh, there's a different side to that uh, stereotypical relationship, which is typically thought of as selfish, me focused, a glamorized version of these types of relationships. Anyway, more about that a little bit later on in the program. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on Newstalk 980 CKNW.